Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it, uh, especially late at night for you. Well, maybe not late, but that sounds late to me. So thanks for uh, making it. It's a bit late. Uh, it's all right, though. Yeah. Uh, what have you been up to today? You uh, Are you getting ready for some races? Are you on a little downtime? or? Yeah, so I've just come back from um, – I did uh, rest week last week. Um, but I went on – well, sort of on holiday um, with my girlfriend. She came over to France, and we went to Chamonix. And, okay. Uh, yeah, I did that. Spent a bit of time doing some hikes and some off the bike stuff. Um, and then I've just come back to Aix today, which is where I'm based uh, for training and that. Well, Aix, I did my first ride yesterday, first proper ride yesterday, and then today some efforts and yeah, had some some of the British teammates over this afternoon at the house just to yeah have fun. Very cool. Yeah. How often do you take a break during the season like that to just get off the bike and do something else for a few days? Um, I'd say, unfortunately, across the, like the time I've been racing, it's normally by the time I've been able to say, I think it's good to have a rest, I've ended up having to have like a forced rest. So um, that, say, being ill or having a crash or something. Um, but this is the first time in a little while where I've been able to sit down just take a step back and really enjoy the rest for what it is. Um, mm. I think like two or three times this year, I've ended up either having like food poisoning and having to have a week, have a week off or just being ill or bad crash. Then you sort yeah. of can't afford to then add extra days onto that. But yeah. It, it's tough then because like you didn't really rest. You're like recovering from the illness, but you're exactly. like, I got to get back to training. It's so funny. Yeah. I just had this conversation with a guy he does a lot of gravel, a lot of backpacking. And he did, uh, him and his buddy did 25 hours in three days. They just go off into the woods and like crush. Perfect. Like, dude, okay, so Monday, Tuesday, you're going to be pretty wasted. Like Wednesday, maybe ride. And he's like, well, I think this, yeah. <clears throat> this community is my rest week, right? And I'm like, no, no. Like you're like way in the hole. This isn't really yeah. normal recovery. So yeah, it's interesting with the, a lot of like gravel athletes that just people are doing some crazy hours and crazy rides that – uh yeah just the recovery is a whole different ball game it's kind of kind of yeah. wild but i can't imagine it really I, I look at some of the some of the the races are like 10 hours long it's just mental. these guys shout out to abe and ramsey these guys do 40 hour no sleeping races and i don't know how they do it it's yeah i when i first met them i looked at their straw and i was like oh this is oh this is one bike ride They're like oh yeah it was a race mm. We didn't sleep. I was like, oh my God. That's crazy. It's crazy. I don't even know how they physically do it, but yeah. Anyways. Um, well, yeah, let's uh let's jump into this. I think one of the most general kind of biggest questions, how do you look at the phases of training? You know, I think a lot of us have read about, you know, do base training, you have a build phase, you have you go into races, but the more pros I talk to, the more guys and girls in your shoes, you know, you don't always know your schedule. It's like you're traveling a lot. How do you, as you're going into the season, what's ideal? How do you like to prepare for the year ahead? I think for me, it's, it's always good to have some big goals in mind, um, some key points in the season where you want to say like, at this point, I really want to be going well. But then it's also good to have little goals along the way that, sort of keep you motivated but also means you've got something you're not putting your whole mind and focus on like one thing mm. and I think that can become quite stressful I think for me I've I've always thought that um having a real good solid winter real solid build-up into the year has been beneficial um and I've I really enjoy the training in winter where you, you've not really got any travel or racing you, you're just pure getting the miles in doing a bit of gym bit of efforts but it's mostly like just solid uh training mm -hmm. um and then that's the i think as long as you get that real good block in say december january that can set you up for the, the, at least the first half of the season mm. And then from there, um, yeah, just about sort of tailoring your sessions to 
the uh, the races that you've got, like the the specific demands of that race. Mm. What do you when you're doing that like base that winter training? Are you just doing a lot of endurance. You mentioned like a couple efforts. Do you just kind of shoot for hours? Um, what's sort of your main goal there? Yeah, so well, it's it's quite tricky i've got a coach that coaches me he's coached me since i was 14 and awesome. i think we've both um agreed that I, I respond really well to endurance um just like long rides long rides where not necessarily going easy but like a, a solid zone two um mid to upper zone two because i think in the winter when you've not got the fatigue from racing you can afford to like really push on in that zone I think when it's cold and wet, it sort of gives you something to to focus on as well, just like chipping away at the the power. Um, and yeah, that that so mainly like time on the bike, but also time in the gym and a little bit of efforts here and there as you come as as you start coming out of winter. What are you doing in the gym? Um, I think this year, this year was the first year where I didn't really do much on my legs at all. Uh, so it was more just like upper body, um, core, really building like a strong, all the muscles that help you put power down on the bike, but not, not necessarily the legs. Because I think for me, I find if I do too much on the legs, then I end up feeling it too much on the bike. And then it, mm. it's sort of makes me feel almost more tired than I actually am because I, I don't think soreness really relates to there's a difference between soreness and tiredness and you the gym can make you mega sore and it can trick you into thinking that you're probably more tired than you actually are because of how sore it makes you legs mm. also just the neuromuscular strain like it is so different yeah the big if I lift too much, I'm. it's like someone takes a pill and smashes you in the face three hours later. I'm just like, whoa, I'm exhausted. But it's not, Yeah. I don't get that feeling from a six-hour bike ride. That's a different tired. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely tough to manage that. That's interesting that you do the arm, more arms. So you do them like, what's your upper body stuff that you focus on? Um, yeah, a little bit of bent over rowing. Um, some core crikey, it's hard to remember now. <laughs> been so long since i was doing it but, so you do uh, it just in the winter not during the season yeah yeah just in the winter um and then a bit of upright row and then like the real core stuff a bit of band work mm. um which I, I try and implement that as well into the into like a weekly routine now the stuff that i can do without needing the gym mm. but i think it, it's it's in the winter, I like, even if you don't necessarily need a gym to do it, it's nice to go to the gym to do it because it sort of makes you focus a bit more. Yeah. I'm, I'm into that. When you were talking about doing the, you know, middle high endurance, you're doing it by power. Do you guys ever look at heart rate or RPE or you stick pretty much to power for your training? Yeah, I quite, I quite like to go off, um, yeah, either power or RPE because I think... Yeah, but uh, it's it's tricky because I say I like to go off RPE, but it's more a case of I'll go off power until I feel like the the body's like not responding at all. There's like and a mismatch, like the RP rate. and the power yeah. are disagreeing. Yeah, yeah, and then I'll take a choice from there, and I'll I'll speak to my coach, um, my coach Roy Chamberlain, and uh, then we'll sort of make a decision. Um, but generally, I think because you're never really going mega, mega deep in the winter, then mm. I think you can't afford to just go for power. Mm. Cool. What's you had mentioned having some small goals going into the year, along with the big goals, what are the going on that a little bit? What are some of the small goals that you might set? Are those smaller races? Are those metric based? What, what types of goals are you looking for to kind of get you to the big goal of the big race? Yeah. So I think, um, Yes, for me personally this year, so I had the big goal was to do really well in the first few races of the year and then call that a bit of a peak and then come down, not necessarily come down, but then sort of reset after that first like month or two and then go into the races in sort of August, September 
uh, with it again another peak. Um, but along the way, having sort of points where I want to be, say either at a certain weight or hitting a certain number. Um, so for me, like my big goal. So my first big goal of the year was to just do really well in the first like two, three, three weeks of the year. Um, and along the way to that, I sort of knew I wanted to be hitting certain numbers in training uh, mm. before it, but not stress too much on that because I think there's a big difference between numbers in training and racing. But Probably. yeah. What's the, what type of, I'm not, <clears throat> not asking specific numbers, but are you looking for like, I want to do this many watts over a 10 minute interval, five minute interval, 90 second power. What's really important to you in your racing? Yeah, uh, I think for me, uh, my favorite thing to use comparatively is I, I do a lot of um, VO2 max sessions. Mm. And I often, I've, be, I've been living in the same place for four years now. And I've I pretty much always used the same climb or one or two climbs. So I know I can look back at the previous four years and I know that if I'm getting a certain distance up the hill in those four minutes mm-hmm. um then i'm going pretty well but also how low my heart rate can drop between efforts or, or how high my normalized power across the whole say i do like a eight by four minutes i know that's about an hour give or take mm-hmm. um and uh, like how high that normalized is but yeah. is that what you're normally doing eight by four minutes uh i'd say it starts off a bit less like six five five or six okay at the start of the i year, was like once dude i want to never ride him with oliver that's so yeah <laughs> i yeah. like that what that's uh about so... the limit i've never done more than eight yeah <laughs> do you stick to for vo2 max training this is always a good question that comes up do you ever do like 30 15s or do you like the longer stuff that's my favorite session i'd say 30 fits so 13 by 30 15 so about 10 minutes i think it is okay. 10 minutes actually yeah um, but I also like, uh, my coach Roy gives me a session that's four minutes, uh, but with a kick 30 seconds out of the saddle at the start, three minutes seated, just holding onto the power and then letting the, letting the power rise for the last 30 seconds as well. Mm-hmm. That one's nice. Cause it, it doesn't feel as long. Mm-hmm. My, I was coached by Tom Bell and he was probably the first guy that started giving me those hard starts and he yeah. loves those. He's like a. And they were good. I, I like mixing in like some other just like like hard across the board, but I think those are also more effective like cardiac training and because your heart mm. rate gets up faster. But when you're doing 30-15s, do you like to do those like fresh? Do you do those at the end of a ride or is it just – how do you look at that? I'd say I generally do them pretty fresh. So like say an hour warm up and then okay. yeah, just get into them. Um, but I quite like throwing in like – Say if I got a free ride, because I enjoy doing them. I, I quite like throwing in like a block of them. If I get to a climb that's pretty constant gradient, I'll throw in a block. Oh, you're sick, so man. Pretty, you do these uh, on a free ride? Yeah. Well, <laughs> a free ride has to have efforts, but yeah. <laughs> I love that. Free, free yeah. ride, I'm going long. I'm not doing 30 yeah. You're a savage, man. So <laughs> if you have a free ride, you like to ride solo, or you get in a group together, you prefer group rides, solo, mix? What's your sort of... I, I do i reckon solo yeah i quite like to just crack on um yeah. and i can stop when i want to stop and i can ride at what pace i want to i yeah. I don't get me wrong i love riding with my mates and yeah doing nice calf rides but i quite like to do them on the easy days yeah um, yeah that's cool what uh stage race one day race what's your preference um I'd probably say stage race, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I quite like getting into the back end of a stage race last couple of days. Um, when, when everyone, when you know everyone uh, pretty well at that point, how everyone's going, but also like when you got that fatigue, I, I quite like the feeling of when you're already tired, you can almost push yourself a bit more. Mm. Um, obviously, it gets to a point where you are completely finished, but yeah enjoy that man because us amateurs don't get to experience that fatigue feeling i've only been able to do a couple really long races like that did tour southland in new zealand and uh yeah. trying to get the other one uh one in ecuador 
And so it's like few and far between. You need to like day five. You're like, oh, okay, we're doing this again. Here we go. Yeah. And I think, yeah. So to embrace that while it's in your life for sure. What's Definitely. and explain something to me. And so I know I was reading a couple of blogs that people have written about you. And one was talking about uh, Vuelta Burgos, where you were talking like, man, I was rubbing shoulders with Nibali. You know, guys are telling me watch Mateo Trenton. And what what were some of the things that do you recall things that like you had made a comment? Nibali just makes everything look easy. Like he's moving up and it's just like he sh- there he goes. Like, what were some of the things you were picking up in that experience? I think maybe then you were 20 or 21 years old. Yeah, um, last year, so t- 21. 21, yeah. yeah. So what's like, what was that experience like? Yeah, no, brilliant. Yeah, it, I think, um, yeah, right in at the deep end, first pro race was Burgos. So it's like typically the the warm-up race for the Vuelta. So yeah. there was a lot of, there was a really good field. Um, and definitely on... UAE, the, the team I was riding for, it's just an amazing squad, really. Um, and guys that I could really learn from. Um, but it's just like the little things. Oh, I knew the level would be hard physically because I know that it's, it's the top level and everything. But I think the thing that I knew I'd have to learn the quickest was just the little things. So like yeah, just riding as a team, uh, using the radios, going getting bottles moving up just simple stuff um and learning the different rhythm of the race because i know it what is it's what you watch on tv but when you feel it in the legs and in the bunch it's, it, it's a bit harder to learn the the rhythm of it and like when a break will go and when it, you when it will start being ramped up and everything it, it's predictable in a way but also pretty unpredictable too um but yeah how do you feel the one thing you mentioned of riding together as a team which how did you quickly try to gel with them because you when you're with your boys and you've been racing with them for a while you know people's body language you know like just how to ride together and i always think back to when we did tour south on actually we were a composite team there were seven of us and it's like it was like you the reference bad news bears probably doesn't mean anything to you we look like the like we didn't know what the hell was going on. Two guys are over yeah. here, one guy's over here. It was just like two. We are so unorganized. What do you kind of do to like gel in real quick and just vibe with these guys, or is it just something that naturally happened for you, or was it a struggle, or how how was that like? Yeah, I'd say it, it sort of naturally happened because um, you are. I mean, riding with guys that are that experience, like Trentin, Rui Costa, the, those guys that have been, like I've been watching on TV since I started cycling, basically. And they know what it's like to have a, a young guy and they know the right things sure. to say and the right things to show uh, for me to learn. Um, but also it's like you, you've got 30 guys in each world tour team, give or take, but yeah, 30, 30 guys max on, on every world tour team and it's typically only seven or eight guys at a race so you, you, you're rarely going to be with the exact same bunch mm. but it's just a case of good leadership um, mm. and clear instructions that really benefit um, and like with the radios and everything you, if, if there was ever a moment that I wasn't sure of what to do I just ask that's awesome yeah how does and we can if you don't want I I don't always understand the trainee role like how does that work of do you have do they see you at races and like yo come ride with us and like let's test run things does that type of thing get set up through like your agent knows somebody and you like get a, a how does that the trainee role work because I don't think a lot of people understand that and I don't always necessarily get that do you mind explaining that a little bit Yeah so typically it's a case of um, say you've got a guy that's doing pretty well in the amateur races um that the team's pretty interested in uh they, they it's a very big commitment to to go and offer say a two-year contract at however much a year straight away um not knowing really what he's like um in, in a bunch or what how he gels within a team and Maybe not necessarily physically, because they know if you're winning races, you're, you're physically going pretty yeah. well. Um, but how you are with all the other things and 
like your relationship with teammates and your personality. And I think it, it gives you the teams a chance to to follow a rider over like the two months of the end of the year, the, the two months of the back end of the season to really get a good idea of what they are and like what they're like. Uh, and then they can, from there, offer a, a contract if they've got the space for it. But, so know. it's always August 1st until the end of September? Yeah, so no yeah. stagiaires are allowed to race um, before August 1st. Uh, and then they'll typically do, say, four or five races at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. Okay, awesome. What's What do you think you've learned? You're a young guy with a lot of experience. What do you think you've learned about cycling that's made you better at it? Um, it's tricky to pinpoint down to say like one thing, but I think there's been lessons along the way, sort of physically, mentally, and also tactically that have helped a lot. I'd say tactically, I learned a lot when I was a junior, uh, which was the first time I went and did like the proper races abroad. Um, how, how old were you then? Races in Spain. Uh, so 17, 18. Okay. Um, I've re- I raced for a team called HMT. Uh, which is run by Tony Barrett and Mark Barry, who are both, yeah, sort of well-known within the British cycling yeah. um, junior races that, that, yeah, it was typically like the team to be on as a junior that did the, had the best program and everything. And from there, I learned sort of the general feel of European roads and European races and racing on closed roads and get, going and getting bottles in the convoy and everything. Um, so there I learned a lot sort of tactically Um, I think mentally I learned a lot when I was here the first year in France where I didn't speak any any French really and just my first time living alone and far away from home and yeah just putting up with going out and obviously training on the bike but getting back and not having anyone to really speak to Uh, so learning to be by myself essentially um and then yeah i'd say physically like i've learned a lot um just from different sessions and how how my body responds to it and what i what i think i enjoy doing physically mm-hmm. and yeah that sort of thing i love that what's since you hit it on the physically last what do you think is the number one thing that's gotten you to where there's obviously a lot of things, but what's something that jumps out, something that's made you as fast as you are right now? Um, I reckon, yeah, long grippy rides and good VO2 max sessions, solid, oh. solid sessions, but like more finishing sessions, um, finishing them strong. Because then I think if you, if you can finish a session strong, then it's sort of, you come away really happy. And then you're motivated to then go on and do something else. And it's it's often, I often like it when a coach will set me, say, not crazy, crazy numbers. And then I'll come away completing it and being really happy as opposed to being set something that's maybe just a touch too hard. And then I might crack sooner than what I would have done if I'd have been set, say, two intervals less. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Man, I, I love that because I think it's, would you agree that there's just a th- that confidence that you get from the win at that interval session carries yeah. so much weight forward into your training, as opposed to just as you said, if you fail, you know n- none of us like to fail. So even though it's just yeah, like yeah. a day on the bike, it's like ah, oh, damn, I could not hit that today. Doesn't feel good. Definitely. Like, do you see a big like does that tie into the mental strength, that confidence? Do you think that's like a big aspect of training that athletes need to like hone in on? Oh, definitely. It's the same as, um, I mean, it's just the, just completing something that you've been set is just like, it's such a good feeling. And it is like a, it's like one of those little goals uh, where it's not like the big goal. You're not winning a bike race or anything, mm-hmm. but you're doing something and you feel like you're one step closer to getting really fit. But, I love yeah. that. I asked you that question because I had an athlete that was, we were chatting about some things and he had just been struggling. And I'm like, I think, you know, we might just be reaching a little too far. I think we're like missing the mark here. And his comment was like, I like the struggle. I like, I don't mind failing. I said, yeah, but 
what about when you get the W's? Doesn't that feel really mm-hmm. good? And if it's still the right stimulus, like it's great to have these reach goals, but so I want to be clipping that and sending it to him because Oliver says you need to get the confidence from these. <laughs> What what's um what's something that you're trying to improve on this year as you're kind of moving forward? Um, I'd say just becoming more well-rounded and not trying to focus on be like one thing. Because ah. I think in the past I've wanted to be. When I came first here, I knew I was quite good at time trials in the UK, and I knew I was quite good at like long climbs. And I thought, ah, oh, I'll just try and be a climber. Um. And then it never really worked out because I thought, sort of found that the lighter I got, the more unpredictable my, my form was. And then uh, I just didn't, I wasn't overly happy. But then I think this year I've, I started doing quite well in, like my sprint came on really well, sort of out of nowhere. Um, and then I sort of decided like, ah, oh, if I can just continue to just improve like my general sort of VO2 short short climbs and that and hold my sprint, then I think I can be a good, real good, well-rounded mm. like cyclist racer. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, I always, I think it just gives you a ton of options. You know, you're not yeah, pigeonholed yeah. into one thing, and I think it makes you a more lethal rider. You're not uh it's like oh that guy only climbs that guy only time trials like when you have a little bit of everything it's like Philippe gilbert it's like dude you don't know what he's about to do he's about to go win a race though that's for sure yeah yeah. cool i like that what do you think is one of the best pieces of of advice you've received over the years um that's a tricky one i think one thing that stands out like real racing specific but um my junior, the guy that run my junior team, he said in a bunch, if you think you're, oh, I can't remember exactly, but if you think you're 10th, you're 20th, and if you think you're 20th, you're 30th, and if you think you're 30th, then you're way too far back. Um, but that's more about like position in the bunch. But that's something that actually has stuck with me like, across that any race, really. I just sort of think, I, if I can, if I think I'm there, then I'm, I, I need to move up. Or and if I can't see the the bunch, then the the front of the bunch, then I I just really need to move up because position is is like so important in some of the races we do. But yeah, would you say every race or only some of the races? I'd say some races are a lot more relaxed than others, and there'll be there'll always be key points within a race where. You'll need to be really well placed, but there's certainly differences in how stressful it is to be in the right place in the right time at the right time. Um, any any races. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <clears throat> any memories of like a time when you weren't in the right position or you would have done something differently that you remember that you've kind of replayed back, like, hey, don't let that happen again? Yeah, definitely. I think I made um the biggest mistake I think I've ever made in a bike race was uh, two weeks ago at Tour of Alsace, the second stage, I think it was, I, cr- I crashed quite hard on the first day and I knew I didn't want to be too, I wanted to go fairly easy at the start of the race, but we knew it was a hard climb coming straight out of the neutral zone. It was like a, a five minute solid effort, quite steep. And I think I was about maybe a hundredth wheel and there was a split right over the top of the climb and the group of like 30 of us that we didn't see the front again until maybe a hundred K later, uh, full wow. gas chase where, yeah, just complete real mistake, not being up there, not just for the sake of two minutes of concentration. I lost mm-hmm. like two hours of my race and therefore I had no legs for, oh man, for, for anything, but yeah. What's that like? I mean, when people are lining up, that's like the race to the race. Are yeah. the elder statesmen there like, yo, get out of here? Or, I mean, everybody's fighting to get in the position before the race has even started. How does that play out? I mean, yeah, there's got to be a pecking order, right? Of Yeah, it's normally, it's normally the, I don't know, it's, you've normally got the guys that are pretty good at, 
like moving up and that they're normally the guys at the front and then there'll be a there'll be a zone like the at the front is the place where you're a bit maybe a bit too far forward mm-hmm. um and then behind that you've got like say where the bunch fans out a bit but that's often the place where everyone wants to be because uh, you're not quite taking the wind and you're not but you're, you're still far ahead. But then because that's the place where you want to be, but just behind that, then you've got the bit which people call the crash zone because that's where everyone's fighting to get into that perfect place. Um, but of course, because everyone wants to be there and that's where all the chaos is and the crashes are. And then behind that, then you normally got like a bit more relaxed, but then you get caught up in the crashes. It's that's typically where you the same guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I like that. That's, back from that. that's yeah. a more uh, blatant crash zone. I usually call it like the washing machine. It's just like chaos, like you said. But I like crash zone. Yeah. Don't don't be yeah. there. Oh man. Yeah. That's wild. What's um before we jump into some nutrition things? Are there any times where you felt like you weren't riding well? And I only asked that of like, how did you course correct that? What would you do if you're just like, man, I'm not, I'm just not feeling good on the bike right now? What's your go to move for that? Yeah, I'd say it's tricky because obviously there's a lot of a lot of factors that can cause you to not be feeling quite good enough. And over the years, I've had a few different things that have caused me to not feel so good. But last year, I had a patch, real good patch of racing where I got a lot of good results in sort of end of May, June. Um, and then it got to July where all of a sudden I just really dropped off. Um and there wasn't really an explanation for it other than uh, maybe I've just been hitting it a bit too hard. But then I don't, re- I didn't really understand how the form could just go. Um, but it, I then found out that I had maybe an iron deficiency. Oh. Uh, so I started taking a bit of iron and that sort of sorted things out. Um, and then before I've also had times where I've been a bit too light. When I was here as a first year, I got down to, because of the heat and when you get into the, because I think, because you've got so much time to ride your bike, you can afford to really do a lot. Um, and the heat here also makes you it quite hard, well, for myself personally, to maintain weight. Um, but also the mentality of like, just seeing the number, the weight go down and down and down, it's like motivating. Um, and I got a bit carried away, got down to 61 kilos and then I was just, yeah, a bit pretty useless. I had like one effort in me in a ride and then I'd be on my knees basically. Wow. How much do you weigh but, now? Yeah. Uh, about 70 kilos, 69, oh, 70 wow. kilos. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Dang. That's yeah. huge. Holy cow. Yeah. Okay. That's a, I appreciate you sharing that. That's a, some like good insight, especially for, I think it's easy, like you said, to get carried away with that, especially when you see it happening and you're not really putting effort into it. It's like, oh, this is, this is a good thing. And then you're yeah. like, oh, wait, maybe not. Yeah. yeah. What's uh nutrition on the bike? What's your, let's break it into, we'll do like long endurance rides that you like doing. Let's talk about, and maybe it might be the same as like your VO2 max session. So like training, and then let's talk about racing. So let's do training first. What do you like to do on the bike? Are you liquid carbs? Are you food? Just everything. And people want as much detail as possible. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'd say if I had unlimited money, I'd just go, yeah, like beta fuel, Morton, try to get my like 60, 60, 80 grams in an hour. Okay. Just go go gels and bars and whatever. But I think because uh, yeah, got to pay for these things. I think like I go off of like I have a lot of uh, panda piece, which is um, I don't know how to describe it really, but like the spiced bread. Uh, like panda piece. Of, I'm gonna look this up. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. Panda. Um, piece. it's like a loaf of bread, but it's basically got the same sugar to carb ratio is like beta fuel okay which i know it's not as simple as that but i i like that um easy to pack in your in your pockets um eat a lot of that panole which is like little mini brioches okay uh with jam in um and then yeah just have a simple malto drink 
in the bottles. Uh, and then maybe do like ISO um, for harder days. Okay. But yeah. And then, and I was going to say, if you want to go cheat, I mean, table sugar is actually very close, like breakdown of, yeah. you know, so it's like a lot of people now are just doing the DIY sugar and yeah, yeah, it's surely cheaper than buying it from a big brand. But what do, what about races? Races, I try and go for the good stuff. So uh, we're, the team is sponsored by, it's a, it's a um, company called Fen, Fenux, uh, okay. which is a French company. Um, so they provide us with the sort of like the, the mini bars uh, and and mini mini gels like little plastic gels. Um, they're a bit too like bit small, so they've got about fifteen grams of carbs in it. And then the team let us have like on top of that we can use our own stuff. So I'll use like beta fuel sachets, um, maybe Morton, um, and then like a Nutripix gel. For the last hour hour and a half that's so interesting they make such tiny gels i feel like gels are getting bigger these days do you have any reason yeah. any idea of why they're doing that like 15 grams so is sure. like nothing. yeah it's um yeah i think that it's just what they've they've been doing for like uh, however long they've been doing so huh yeah well, i'm gonna email so them like, guys come on it's carb carbs carbs yeah. carbs yeah what about you into cycling tech at all like on the bike and whatnot? Not too much. I think the thing that interests me is, yeah, like the only thing that really, because I don't have a choice of what I ride or what <laughs> I can use, I've sort of lost the interest in it because I think then you can become frustrated with like, oh, that, that's faster or mm -hmm. that tests better. Um, I think the thing that interests me the most is like just nutrition. Like that's, I suppose it's not really tech, but yeah how it works dude it's tech for the yeah. engine i think that's the yeah. best. i think it's an amazing answer i mean i think it's uh you know yeah i remember i went out to a race in colorado it's out west here and there was an old pro team jewy solar and this guy showed up and he had like box rims and it, this was maybe 2011 i'm dating myself but it was back a lot we all had like carbon wheels as race wheels and I'm like, damn, mm. this dude's, and he shredded everybody to death. And it's like, this guy's on like a training bike and he clearly had the engine that he didn't need to worry about all the tech. He was going to boss everybody that day. And I always just, I think back to that. He, you know, it, I think the tech is great. It's important. Arrow's important. But at the end of the day, if the legs and body aren't making it go super fast, it's, it's not, yeah. not happening. So maybe that might answer the question of something overrated in cycling. What do you think is underrated? Something that people aren't doing or that you found that you're like, man, this is amazing. I can't believe more people are into this. Um, I'd say just the ability to read a race uh, in terms of, yeah, going back to sort of road racing, but like just the ability to read a race. Um, Cause it, it's not always the guy that's got the best watts, watts per kilo that's winning. Um, and it was like really often that it's not that the case. Um, there's a lot of guys that have a lot more power than, than their results would suggest um, and vice versa. Um, yeah. And it's tricky to, it's, it's something that doesn't come. I think for some guys it comes naturally, but I think it's also, something that you can really really work on and train on and not necessarily have to be racing to do it you can just watch races and sort of generally get the feel of how they are that's really undervalued i think what's a time when you've won when you can look back and you're like i read that race like you made the right move at the right time and it was probably a second nature thing that was like yo go now or whatever you somehow analyze something. Do you, can you recall something off the top of your head of like just how that played out? I think an example, because I that, that that's that's like I think the way you say that is really good for amateurs to hear because now we're in the days of like, what's my FTP? What's everybody doing on Strava? I see this guy's got better watts per kg. I can't I can't beat him. He's stronger than me. And it's like, no, dude, there's racing, there's tactics, it's more than yeah. just the watts. So, so like, can you give a real life example of this? Um, yeah, I'd say it's 
reading the race, but then also knowing what you're good at personally. So the, mm. for me, this year, fir first race of the year, um, I come to the last sort of 20K of this race and the selection's been made. We're probably in like a 15, 20-man group. Um, and there's no one coming from behind. It's, the winner's going to come from that group. And it's it's hard to tell at that time of year who the strong guys are, but I sort of had a rough idea of how comfy certain guys looked on the key climb of the race that I sort of roughly knew who to who to look out for. Um, and I was one of the heavier guys that managed to get over the key climb and probably the biggest one of the most powerful guys in that group. Uh, and a group goes, two guys get away on the, there was one climb with like 10K to go, 15K to go. Um, and then it was basically just descent to the finish. Two guys got away on that. I managed to get over the climb. Everyone's looking at each other and I just hit it on the descent. Um, just went to the back, full speed on the on the front and knew that if they hesitated behind, then it would be tricky for them to, catch me because I was one of the bigger guys in the group that yeah I could play to that strength of being probably the strongest on the flat and the, the slight downhill got across to the two at the front and then just back to my sprint I knew not I'm not necessarily a sprinter but I knew against those two guys that I, I should be able to get them and yeah I managed to to win the race but, that's yeah. awesome so when you bridged up to those two guys, did you ride with them for a little bit or did you try and blow past them at all? Or well, when you got to them, were you like, okay, you are you probably knew who they were. You're yeah. just we you like, I'm gonna ride with them. Were you worried about the guys behind it all, or were you guys clear when you bridged up? Yeah, I'd say it was still touch and go whether we'd stay away, but I thought of sort of got in the group and I instantly said to the guys like tried to motivate them, um, try and be uh talkative because I think you can get into a break and you can sort of get this if you're the one who's vocal and saying like oh come on guys we, we can do this and just the real like cliche stuff then you can sort of mentally trick them because I, I think people don't really think too clear in a race and they'll quite easily they'll think oh yeah just go along with it and yeah we, we're we're, we're going to stay away and all this stuff even if you have no even if you think yeah for sure it's doomed they're going to get caught you can trick them into going full gas and riding harder than they probably would have done if you didn't yeah just like gas them up a bit yeah dude i love this you've got the mind game going which is so crucial you're playing you're out there playing chess and that's that's really important so anytime yeah. anytime where you feel like you may, you didn't read the race the right way and you look back you're like damn I should have done something else yeah yeah I'd say um yeah there was uh, a race this year called uh Tour, Tour de Cap-Bé uh Tour, Tour de Forby um which was it, it ended up being it was sort of a selection made in the crosswind section in the middle and again, it's like a 20-man group. Um, and there's two key... So I'd say me and one other guy were, say, the favourites for the race. Um, and we both had teammates there. We both had three other teammates. Um, so we had numbers to play with. And everyone's rolling around. And I wanted to miss a turn just for whatever reason. I think uh, I was eating a bar or something. And he wouldn't... He, he also didn't want to ride. So we sort of bluffed each other out um, of the back. We're both slowly coming off the back of the group. Neither of us want to take the wheel. And uh, I ended up, we ended up so far away that we it had to be like a full gas effort to get back up to the to the group. And he just went, he he went bang like he he was off obviously already feeling pretty rough. He completely out bluffed me um, by doing that and. In the end, I came second by not a lot at all, and I think to to his teammate, and I think uh, because I used that effort, big effort to get back, which was like a twenty minute chase in the end. Um, oh, damn, yeah, that's probably what helped them win the race. Which I don't think even they realised like what how how smart they were. Yeah, doing that. But yeah, ah, 
Well, lesson learned. Won't won't make yeah. that mistake again. What's uh what do you what races are left that you're most looking forward to this year? Yeah, so my first um so I'm gonna be doing some races with Cofidis uh to the end of to the end of the year. Um my first race is in six days now, the Tour of Leuven, uh, which is a race that I yeah, I, I watched last year and then also the when the world champs in Belgium when Alaphilippe won. Uh, I, I thought it was such a cool circuit, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then also, was... yeah. No, sorry, go Grand ahead. Prix. Well, also Grand Prix Wallonie, which is like a similar race in a way. I love that yeah. race. Yeah. That finishes it's in real. the castle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, that race is sick. Yeah, looking forward to those. Is the one in, uh, so Leuven, you said, I actually lived there for like three months, um, many oh, really? years ago. Yeah, and I... Is it just a one-day race? Yep. Yeah, okay. just one day. Yeah, yeah, I was there in the fall in maybe 2015, I want to say. So it was more like cross-season, which was cool to yeah. see. But, uh, yeah, I missed when they had Worlds there, and that would have been sick to see. But that's all. That, yeah. that'll be a cool circuit. That's a cool little town. So we'll, I'll be thinking of you. I'll be looking up the results for that. Yeah. What's uh? This is an awkward question. I've actually kept it in because people give me weird answers. Uh, can you finish this sentence? I never dot dot dot, and it can be bikes, life, anything. Uh, God, that is a tricky one. <laughs> I never, I never. Car crikey, this, that is a real tricky question. We can skip it. It's usually people either I get that response or I get something totally off the wall. So that's why people are like keep yeah. that question in. That was a weird answer that that guy gave. Yeah, that is a good question. I just can't. I, I can't think of an answer. Yeah. If something pops in your head, you can blurt it out. Yeah. Um, what's uh, what are you up to when you're not riding? So you've got some downtime, or like even I was actually like say you're in France and before you do you speak French now. Actually, I'm going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing when you're not you're hanging out in France and you're not riding a bike? Um, not a lot really. I quite like to, yeah, just recover. Yeah, recover. Just chill out. I, I'm into my coffee, but also this year I'm really into my tea. I've got quite a good, well, good good coffee setup. Also a good tea setup with my little, yeah, teapot and all my loose leaf tea. Um, and there's a few good tea shops in Aix as well that do. A, some good selections make so, tea drink yeah what's the top two tea leaves that you like the most um i quite like i uh, discovered oolong tea ah. which are like these little leaves yeah. that expand yeah uh and then also i've got a grilled pistachio tea green tea as well that i really like that's that's probably my favorite awesome yeah. And how are you making coffee? Uh, so I've got a sage barista. Um, I forgot the name of it now. It's like full manual sage machine. Um, and then a separate grinder. And then, yeah, just uh, just standard grind, grind my beans and do, do my coffee. I quite like a flat white or a cortado. Okay. Very, so yeah. do, you use, do you use dark roast for that type of coffee or do you like light roast? Uh, I do use dark roast, yeah, because it's got I think got a bit less caffeine if I'm right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not then I get don't get, I think if I get too much caffeine, then it also I don't feel quite as much of an effect of it in races, and then also I get a bit too buzzed before rides. Are you taking caffeine gels in races? Yeah. yeah. How, I, how many milligrams are you usually doing, and how often? I try and do. A Nootropix gel I really like. That's got 200 in. Um, I experimented with having two of them, actually. Uh, but I found it didn't really... Once you pass one, you don't get an... Ex it's not like you get double the effect. Not double. <laughs> you just get... You're just more likely to cramp, I think, if you have, if you have two. Um, but, yeah, just one of those 200 milligrams. Yeah. End of the race, like an hour out, any specific time, or just About, free time? Yeah. About an hour, hour and a half ish. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And then try and not think. I think I, 
for a little while I had that with like an hour, hour and a half to go, and then I thought, oh, okay, I don't need to eat again. But I think you still need to save a bit of like normal gels to go to keep eating, because otherwise you get the dip. But, yeah. Totally. And it's better recovery. You will be more, you know, I mean, eating, I love eating food, but then you have to, if, like if you're in a stage race and where eating becomes hard, it's like, just, yeah, yeah. don't stop. What's, uh, what, what's your biggest inspiration pushing forward, man? I mean, you are 22 years old, you know, you're a professional athlete in a real, every, I guess, pro sport is really hard, but cycling is a tough one. You don't always get to win. Sometimes the team's in a slump and, you know, you have ups and downs as a rider. What's kind of like your North star? What do you, what just keeps you going? Um, just the ability to have like a proper full career from it to get a, a solid like 10, 15 years out of the sport. I think that's, that would be just like the absolute dream. And to, to be able to fully say like, that was my job. Um, oh, and to not be, I know there's always going to be stressful times when you say fighting for a contract, but but to not have that as the story of your career. Um, but of course, like winning races, that's the ultimate dream and going on to win, win like huge races, classics and that. But genuinely enjoy it. Love that. Uh, last, actually, I have two questions. Last one. Um... What do you think for, I, I don't want to say the newer cyclist, but someone's going to be watching this and listening to this and they have those same ambitions or maybe they're not as far along as you. What do you think is the number one piece of advice that you would just, when someone's like, hey man, how do I get cracking? I'm, you know, want to get on a good team. I want to get to the pro level. What do you tell somebody when they ask you that? Um, I just say, learn try and learn quickly what, what works for you in terms of like what sort of training um and nutrition and stuff which is not, it's not the best advice really because obviously it's the hardest part of it but <laughs> quickly learning what you respond well to and then using that as much as you possibly can i think it's actually a great piece of advice because i think especially now with the internet there's so much information and there's so much so many ways to lose focus on our own plan and so even as amateurs you know it's we've got this goal similar to what you're doing and okay you've got your goal set i've got my goal set but then the guy on strava is doing something different it's like oh shoot yeah. should i be doing that or you know and sure maybe look at what he's doing and maybe test it out but maybe it doesn't work for you. And so no, I, think exactly. it's a, I think that's a really good uh, tip actually. And my last one, the easiest question, how do people keep up with you? You're on uh, Instagram. Do you blog Twitter? Uh, Strava. Yeah. We'll put the links in the show notes so people can follow along with you in the season. Yeah. So yeah, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I think I'm the same on both. Oh, night 49. Cool. Uh, and then Strava as well. It's just my name, Oliver Knight. Awesome. Yeah. I'll put those in. Everybody, hit up Oliver. Give him a thanks for coming on. Oliver, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate this. Everybody, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you later. See ya.